Check, check, one, two. Check, check, check. Siblings. Hi, friends. Nice to see you. I brought some friends with me today uh, from the Unlearned 16 podcast. Please welcome my friend, uh, Joanna Johnson, who is currently drinking something right now. Was that the soundtrack from Deliverance? Uh, No, there was no banjo. That was harmonica. That was Lock and Cross, one of my co-hosts. Yeah, it was. What do you got? What are you drinking? First of all, it's it's a McDonald's glass circa, and it's a ginger ale. Oh my God, I remember those glasses. There's no caffeine in ginger ale, so I can drink it with impunity at night. What do you mean? I really you know, shouldn't drink pop, but I had a party not too long ago when I had pop, which is hysterical because yeah. I don't go buy liquor. If you want to buy your own alcohol, have at it. I'm not spending the money. So I bought pop. I am 48. And there was, I go, you guys want to drink? There's pop in the fridge. Mm. But now I have all this freaking pop because yeah. obviously nobody drank it because I'm only 17. And so now I've been drinking pop all the time. Well, you have the palate of a 17-year-old, to be honest with you, because you and I have been together a couple of times. Uh, One time you had chicken fingers, fries, and a Coke. Listen, you can't mess up chicken fingers and a fry. No, you can't. And I'm not judging you. I think it's great. I'm just saying you have the palate of a 17-year-old. Totally get it. I really Uh, do. And then then I get on on the podcast today with you, the lovely Joanna Johnson. She's crushing like uh three musketeers which is by it's the way a teeny three musketeers yeah, yeah i know i know i know it's just not like if you're gonna have halloween candy three musketeers is like the fifth round draft pick i can't listen I can't it for me it's that. first round you know what the funny part is i can't get these minis i can't find them anywhere and <clears throat> a girl megan who follows me we've we've been talking quite a while she sent me a whole package full of them oh swag you're talking about listener swag listen yeah, you, you eat. Me- you eat. Hold it. You eat food that your fans send you. Is that? Oh sure. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Inject something in here? I don't know. I think it's an old wives' tale. Although I have seen some pictures of nails in like a Mars bar this year, That's which made is up. weird. I know. I thought it was made up. I thought it was bullshit. Can we get to the McDonald's collector's cup that you have, though, please? Yeah. So um, I used to have all of these. So I have the Burger King ones that are like the Star Wars ones, and I used to have all these McDonald's ones back Uh in the day. Like, look at this. Like, what a freak. Put this back on the menu. Let me buy these at McDonald's again. Why yes. are we not? Why is this not our standard? Because we got cheap. McDonald's got Garbage. cheap. We're like, just plastic. We're going to give them plastic toys from now on. Having said that, <laughs> a lot of people keep telling me these are lead-based paint, and I'm going to kill, like, you know, I'm going to poison myself. But oh. I don't lick the outside. Yeah, do you don't you don't lick the outside. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm fine. Ah, you're good. It's just awesome because I haven't seen it for like I've not seen that cup for forty Listen, years. I'll take we a used to have like a cupboard for it. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be good. How are you? How's life? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I want to talk about a couple of things with you today because I was like, well, <clears throat> that's why it. you're here. Yeah, I love podcasts. Why I'm I love here. talking to you. Well, you're here because you make sense to me. You make you make things make sense. Some days, some days. Yeah, you're like my lodestar, if you will, <laughs> Joanna. You know, you're a teacher, you're, you're an educator, you're a viral educator. You don't, you don't get angry. You've got this inability to get angry. Not At often. least I haven't seen it. No, no, you don't. Not often. And I got angry this week. You and tend to live a little bit more on the rage side. Eh, I try not to, like I try to Lean espouse these. Yeah, I'm trying to, but I'm watching these protests, man. Oh man. Oh man. Right. So the protests are making you upset. Um, <clears throat> 
Yeah, I think we're we're talking all about- the protests. Like, hang on, let me just set the table, yeah, sure. and then you can educate me and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Well- but I've gone through the last three years, like everybody else has gone through it. You know, everybody says, "Oh, we've gone through so much." It's been. I've seen four billion protests over everything from hot tubs to freedom of speech to vaccines to Tamils to George Floyd to QP to now these foreign protests that are happening here with like Palestinian flags, Israeli flags. Everybody's blocking traffic. I had a personal experience this weekend where I had to get off like 14 streetcars just to make it like one and a half kilometers because of all the protests that featured all the same people who think somehow they're magically empowered with the ability to change discourse if they just grab a flag of broomstick and go act like an asshole for like an afternoon. So that's kind of where I'm at. I know it's like simplifying it. (laughs) I know it's simplifying. It's reductive, if you will. Sure. But I've never been a fan of protests and people are using whether or not you're a fan of them or whether or not you're a big protester. You're allowing this protest is good, but that protest is bad. And this protest, I'm I've always been of the opinion that if you're going to try to get someone on side, you catch more flies with honey than you do turds. And all I see is turds for the rest of us. So can you help me through this, please, Joe? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, yeah. when they're going on in Toronto and they're going on on hospital row, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan because those are people who desperately need to get somewhere and who are sick. Um, I, I think putting parliament right at the end of hospital row, for those who don't know, or are from Toronto, um, <clears throat> quite a few of our major hospitals are all in the same area and they all lead on this one street up to, Uh, our parliament. So it makes sense you would protest there because that's where the politics lives. Although to be perfectly honest, nobody in that building gives a crap. So I think it's kind of funny. That's where you're protesting. Um, And, uh, and getting in the way of ambulances and getting in the way of people who are sick that I do have a problem with that. I don't love it. I also don't have, I don't have a lot of faith just like you were saying, in the transformative nature of a protest Mm -hmm. in order to incur change. If we're looking to incur change, I don't see a lot of, uh, a lot of change happening through that vein, but I do see this. I think that we have a relatively apathetic population Mm -hmm. and I do like the idea of people being able to at least resonate so deeply with a cause that they want to go stand like today was absolute garbage today. So if you're going to go, it's one thing when, you know, when all those people used to protest on May, you know, whatever, 20, May two, four. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, well, like, some, like when it's 23 and day. sunny. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're going to protest yeah. in this crappy weather. Look, I think you believe in what you're, what you're protesting. And that to me is a sign of a healthy democracy. I do like that. And I think a lot of people have no other necessarily viable option in their head in order to help incur change. Um, I, As far as the, the point of a protest, again, subject matter aside, mm-hmm. um, I think they all have a similar um, effectiveness or lack thereof. Um, and I feel as though everybody has the exact same right to protest. My limit to protesting outside of don't do it in front of hospitals so people, sick people can't get treatment. My only limit is if you are 
violent in any way, shape, or form. If you are violent, uh, if you are violent or aggressive towards people, or if you are violent or aggressive in in order of like damaging property and things like that, those to me seem to be heavy lines. And I think mm. protests should also have a caveat window. If you think you're going to shut down the city of Toronto all of a sudden, change legislation, you're wrong. <laughs> you're you're absolutely wrong. But if you want something sustained and you want to actually impart legislation, um, there there are different ways than you're having to do it. But I but I I get the frustration of people, mm. and I also part of me as a politics teacher um, encourages their right and their passion in order to have their voice heard. I don't care what flag you have on whatever. I don't care what your your thing is. Um, whether I agree with it or not, I think in a healthy democracy, we have to make space for it, but we have to treat, in my opinion, all protesters with a similar fashion, whether the government agrees or disagrees with the mandate. I also think it's interesting that these protests are happening, let's say, <clears throat> in front of the Ontario legislature about foreign issues. Bingo. It, He's Bingo. first of Bingo. all, Doug Ford could give a crap about any of it anyways. He's in his own trouble. He's going to be looking for the door in a minute. Um, but if we're going to if we're talking about Israel and Palestine and these are the protests that we're talking about, you got to trek that to Ottawa. Yeah, because these aren't the individuals that have any control. Now, what are you hoping for? You're hoping for it to gain media attention. You are hoping for Ottawa to see these protests pop up in Toronto and across the province and across the country. And that would gain momentum. And that's what they're hoping for and striving for. And I get yeah. that. I do get that. Um, and I really think minus other alternatives that people maybe don't necessarily think they have as much access to. Minus other alternatives, um, this is the way to have your voice heard. And, mm. and listen, I think we've been going down a road of apathy for a very, very, very long time. Funnily enough, I wish this would translate more into voting, especially considering after what happened in Ontario. Um, <clears throat> because all the protesting in the world doesn't change the government that is in power. And for the most part, to be perfectly honest, I don't think it's going to change their foreign policy either. No. Or no. often their domestic policy. No, of course it won't. And and this is like, you know, we can arrow down from the word protest into the minutiae of that, right? Like, you know, I, I use the word reductive a lot because it's what people do when they paint with a big brush to try and put you in a box and say, oh, all protests suck, which I happen to believe all protests suck because I love forward momentum, right? So this weekend, the example is I'm downtown, I'm on a streetcar. I'm trying to get somewhere and um, I'm with a group of people that are visiting the city and I'm ferrying them to different cool parts of the town. And I had to get off the street and they're like, Hey, we want to take the streetcar, the subway. It's I'm like, yeah, sure. It's probably the easiest way to get around. Let's do that. And got off a streetcar because the guy's like, okay, everybody, this is, he gets mm -hmm. on the, the, the sure. streetcar guy. Okay, everybody. Uh, we got a protest in front of us. So uh, you can wait here. You can get off and go and find another streetcar. Right. And I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake. So we all get off the streetcar, get on another streetcar. Then we run into the second protest. So the first protest is the Gaza-Israel protest, but it's people with Palestinian flags. They're screaming genocide. Blood is on your hands. People are pointing at me as I'm walking by them. And it was everything I could do to say, hey, do you know where you are? 
Like, do you do you have any idea where you are? You're in the wrong country for this. We have nothing to do with what's going on over there. And we're not going to be able to stop a 2000 year war. It's just not going to happen. Mm. And here's the other thing. Yeah. It was a foreign country. People from foreign countries. I love Canada for the multiculturalism. I love the fact that we've got people from all over the world. It would be very boring if we only had one flavor of individual in this country. One of the great things about Canada is that I myself am an immigrant. I came from a different country. I've been given the opportunities of coming here and I respect it and I love it and I value it. So I've got that extra give right when it comes to why are you people doing this? You are guests in this country that will let you stay here. That's how I feel as an immigrant to this country. But you touched on something that I thought was interesting because the second protest was the F. Trudeau protest. Mm-hmm. And I ran into that and I saw so articulate people, those signs, by the way. Yeah, re- really incredible. F. Trudeau, uh, a lot of markers, a lot of a lot of hockey sticks with flags. Some dude with a giant cross with Jesus on it that he was carrying it around and he was telling people they needed. But, <laughs> but F. Trudeau right underneath the Jesus. Totally. The love of God, F. Trudeau. Um, but so you had religious extremism wrapped up in two protests over and one was foreign over things that have nothing to do with me getting to where I'm going, Sally getting home to her family, people getting to chemo treatments on Sunday. A friend of mine, his family was late for theirs for his mom, couldn't get to it. And I've I, I, I like reached a boiling point where I'm like, hold it. What are we doing? This is Canada. I get what we are. But But, nothing I saw this weekend was peaceful. That's my point. Like the definition of peaceful. I want to get to that. And I want to talk about why people why people are are punishing people in this country over something that's happening twenty five thousand miles away. That's what I want to know. Okay, so two big disagreements I would have with you. Number one, as immigrants to this country, whether you were born here, whether you're a landed immigrant, whether you're a refugee, I don't care what your I don't care what your classification you absolutely have the democratic right to protest. And the reason number two, that it is in Canada, because we have the power and the money and the fortitude to change international politics. Our idea that it's just hands off, it's not our problem is absolute and utter garbage. It's embarrassing. And that's what embarrasses me about a lot of foreign leaders. We tend to choose conflicts that are going to benefit us and then make up a reason, make up a moral justification why we're going to be in that conflict. No, no, no. We are going to have to start making some pretty hard calls and be, be, um, very clear about whose side we're taking, how we're taking their side, and why. Because it tends to boil down to, when does it serve our monetary interest? And that is absolute crap. And everybody in the world, especially in Canada, has the right, the privilege, in my opinion, almost the responsibility to do what they're doing, because here you can. And the moment you stop in a country with this kind of power and you say, oh, well, I don't want them because it's reminiscent of of Poliev, who just said something to the effect of leave your hate at the door, something like that. That is coded language. (laughs) That is bullcrap language. Xenophobic, racist. Yeah, yeah. that, That says what's going on over there doesn't matter. And and has given the ridiculous notion that we or the United States government or the British government or the French government aren't at the heart of it. That colonization, that forming military alliances, that economic treaties, that military treaties, 
that all of these interconnectivities do not let us bear and shoulder some of that responsibility. That's why. And and mm. everybody, do I do I love the fact they made you get off a streetcar? No. Do I hate it? No. I do. listen. Is it annoying? Sure. I again, hospital row. Stop. We got to figure something out there. Let those people get to the hospital. Um, if they got in your way because you wanted to go to Center Island, I don't care. <laughs> Me, I you don't care. You late for your Leaf game? Don't care. You know, yeah. I could give a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. can swear on this, right? Yeah, um, like gratuitously, by the way. Um, yeah. Those kind, and it could be, it could be me stuck into it, trying to get to a concert or trying to do something like that. I do not like, and when I say violent, obviously anything physical. So we draw the line heavy at that. Physical, any sort of physical violence. Um, I do not like threats. I do not like, I do not mind somebody, to be honest, standing in my way and saying, do you, whatever the issue is, do you have any idea what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you take a moment to speak about it? Now I'm asking in that moment, you are asking for a hell of a lot of calmness and rationality from people, again, on a day like today, or out in the crap, cold, rainy weather probably not because they're exceptionally rational at this point, probably because their family members, their friends, their whatever have been directly impacted by whatever it is they're saying. So when they're, they're bringing what seems like aggression and it can absolutely be aggressive to the table because they are emotionally connected. And, and if, and if it was my mother, brothers, whatever, I could I could understand that, and I think we'd make more space for that. Um, would I love everybody to be calm, cool, and collected and be able to reason their way through? Sure. But as we know, there's a lot of calm, cool, and collected people that for years and years and years get completely and utterly ignored or quieted or pushed aside. And, and the point of getting loud and getting let's say verbally aggressive is because nobody was listening until they started to show. And that's mm -hmm. metaphoric and quite literal. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you but know, aren't we, okay. Might, so don't no, go yeah, ahead. Finish up. I might not love, like, you know, you talked about the, the trucker convoy. I might think the, the protest is ridiculous. I, I, to be honest, they could have sat out there all they wanted. My problem was when, um, they were blocking businesses who were having to shut down. They were, you know, it had gone on for such emergency a lanes. Yeah. 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 Be yeah. An occupation. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. Needs to be a Three healthy weeks. line between protest and occupation because that's something different. And, you know, you want to occupy something cool, go camp out on parliament Hill. It's not being used. Um, and in about maybe two weeks, nobody's even going to be there. Right. Cause they're all going to take six weeks off. Um, but affecting people's livelihoods and businesses in order to, then we're in a different territory now affecting that for an afternoon. That's isn't, the but, but isn't that what it all is? And then we get back to the idea of peaceful, right? Like, is it peaceful when you're climbing a scaffolding or in oh. this case, let me play this for you. I, this is no, in the Edmonton. This is in the Alberta legislature. This is the kind of stuff that I'm like, this is not peaceful. They had people rip in there, protests, telling everybody they got blood on their hands because they're not going to stop Israel from bombing the shit out of Gaza. Let's watch it together. No! Cease fire, no! Cease fire, no! Cease fire, no! 
see everybody kind of waffling through. They're getting, all the MLAs are leaving, which, you know, I've got no love for politicians. I can care less about them, but trying to do the business of the people and disrupting the business of the people, disrupting maybe a bill that could have got passed that day. To me, that is not peaceful. And then you've got what appears to be a pro-Hamas flag or pro-government of Palestine flag when the government of Palestine is Hamas. And these things aren't just like, they're not, they're not grassroots. They're not people in every one of these protests. They're not people who've just gone, hey, you know what? I'm really convicted by this. Too many people are dying in Gaza. We need a ceasefire. Let's go invade the Edmonton legislature. Like, you know okay. what? First of all, I think it's very lovely of you to think they were doing business that day. Number one. <laughs> oh, I said, <laughs> I said, take it for what it's worth. I hate all politicians <laughs> equally, but, I'm but just you know, saying, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's a beautiful thing that you still have in your heart that you think they were getting shit done there. Uh, number two, maybe give them a little too much credit, especially number in Alberta. Two, yeah. In my opinion, that's exactly. And again, whether it was Palestinians in there, whether it was Israelis in there, yeah. whether it was the truckers, that's mm-hmm. exactly where a protest should happen. Exactly there. That is a public building. That is exactly what I didn't see any violence. I, I heard chanting. I think disrupting the legislature in that fashion. And if they have to close legislature and then reopen, I'm okay with that. But those are the people that can change laws. Those are the people that are directly responsible and accountable to the public. I think if more of us actually got to have our voices heard in that damn place, we might be completely different. Mm. I am tired of listening to somebody like Danielle Smith or people go on and on and on in that damn place. And we could talk about Ontario. We could talk about uh, Parliament. Yeah, all the same. It really doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. The, the notion of question period has become, to be honest, no more useful, no more. Um, there was no more work getting done in that than there was in that clip. Because all I hear is Pierre saying, you know, you suck, you're a dictator. And the other guy going, oh, well, you have stupid hair. Listen, I am tired of hearing grown adults talk about policy and talk about what the other person did or didn't do and fight like kids. I play that sometimes for my students and they laugh. They And it's at all political parties a lot of time. They laugh. They laugh at also the facade. Probably the thing that makes me laugh, laugh the most is the facade of having to speak through the speaker. Mr. Speaker, so-and-so. It, it's almost as, it's almost <laughs> as though they are children yeah. Who are um, you know? Mommy, I can realize. I say this, mommy? Here's yeah. what I'm going to say, and then you, and then you, and then you launch into a, into a guy, and you, I totally, and, and and you know what? That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I looked at that video and I got triggered because I walked through a protest this weekend, and I'm like, "What are you sure. doing, you guys? Right in front of a fucking hospital? Like, give me a break!" I, I don't like that. And then you know, as I watch these idiot politicians trying to do business, as you pointed out, they're not really doing any of that, right? Not the business of the people. Um, you know, I am used to that certain perspective that, you know, Canada should not be the business of Canadians shouldn't be disrupted, that the people in this country are given fair opportunity to protest anytime they want, as long as it's peaceful. But the definition of peaceful sits with certain people. And according to your convictions, that word means different things. Right. But to your point. As always, the Dean Blundell show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io factcheck.io. Do you believe 
The good people at Fact Check are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip and they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software, that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. .io. Back to the show. You've changed my mind in 23 minutes on one of the subjects, which is like, hey, that's exactly where you should be going. 100%. You should you should be invading their space. You should be making their lives uncomfortable, not mm. the lives of the people who are just trying to get about it, not the people who are just trying to get to see their wives and kids at home after a long day's work, not the people who are showing up to a cancer treatment, not the people who just are trying to go to daycare, get their kids to daycare. You should be legitimately putting this at the feet of the people who brought you here. And the and the and the kind of people that are forcing this conversation, right? That's what you're saying. I also, yeah, but I also think like the public protests, in my opinion, if done in a different way, also have a lot of weight and also have a lot of power because they could be incredibly um, important educational tools. You and I might spend all of our time rage texting on Twitter or, you know, listening about politics or doing this or doing that. But there's a whole group of people that either a um, don't have the time because mm -hmm. their lives are such B don't have the interest or C don't necessarily have a significant amount of education in order to deeply understand the issues and therefore stop trying. I think there's a very, very significant need for adults because we put this on kids all the time for adults to actually get educated. And if protests were done in a more significantly sort of educationally driven manner, and sometimes that's angry. It doesn't always have to be nice, but it needs to figure out how can I be impassioned without being aggressive? So exactly like you said before, so they start listening to the issue that I think is important and I don't think they necessarily know about. 
right? We make a lot of assumptions about what people know trying to, you know, go around Canada. But also, we living in this country, and I, and I see this as a more significant responsibility, we in this country have a bigger responsibility to speak out on issues that are international, issues of oppression, issues of human rights violations, issues all around the, like, and all around it, even complicated, overwhelmingly frustrating issues because we sit here, because we have the luxury of not being in the war in the middle of a war zone on either side of that conflict of of not watching our kids die of not fearing that something's we have that luxury so then we have to have to use that power in order to have big discussions now here's what i would wish i wish those discussions could be more nuanced mm. i wish those discussions could be more um you know there's no nuance to pe- like Everybody wants people to stop being killed and 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 stop war. Everybody, I want world peace. That's fantastic. Um, what happens when people don't? How do we deal with that? What level do we go to? At, at what point are we supposed to really acknowledge and take take account of what we've done to create that circumstance? About what we done to what we've done to perpetuate it? When and this is the big question. Do the ends always justify the means? And these are big questions that philosophical, you know, uh, uh, students will speak about, that people will talk about in academic realms. And then as soon as you step out of that context, at the end of the day, the ends always justify the means if, if they're on your side. Mm-hmm. If, that, if, if the ends right? Gets rid Mm. of my enemy, whoever I've deemed that as being my enemy, for whatever reason, I've deemed that as such. That's the ends. I'm cool with the means until Mm. it's flipped, right? Until it's flipped around. And, and we can talk about this in the confines, you know, of, of 9-11, because I've, I've seen TikToks come back up about in this weird way, trying to justify 9-11, Nobody's trying to justify 9-11. What they were trying to do, or what I think some people are trying to do, is talk about the nuance. And guess who talked about that nuance before he became an old, white, embittered guy who hates the word woke? Bill Maher. It's exactly why he lost his show. Because five seconds after 9-11, what does this guy do? He stands on stage, maybe ill-timed, and says... Be careful whose foreign policy you want to mess around with, because these are the ramifications, thus implying the United States being in bed with Osama bin Laden, funding and training Taliban in order to kick out the Soviets. And when it was enough for them and they didn't want to be a part of it, they completely pulled out and the Soviets slaughtered them. Well, who's the bad guy there? Mm. But nobody. Mm. But again, you can't talk about that because somehow you're by talking about that. You know, people accuse you of justifying 9-11. No, you weren't listening. But if you want to, if you don't want to look in, in, at, in, in uh, or at particular issues in a vacuum, you'll never go anywhere because you'll never understand the context and all of the steps leading up and all of the steps thereafter. Right. That Mm. that conflict, that horrific act of terrorism put the United States or they chose to go into a war for the next 20 years in a country that had nothing to do with it 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about the big picture. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the big picture. Talk about who. Talk about why. We spend so much time talking about the who, we never talk about the why. And I think the why, when we boil it down, is perhaps the most important piece. Are we going to war for money? Or are we going to war for um, morality? Or are we going to war for ideology? Those are three completely, completely different reasons. Doesn't Let me ask you a question, though, because one thing I noticed when I went through both these protests was the extreme views of two different versions of Abrahamic faith, right? You brought up religion, brought up money or ideology. Um, influence is another reason. Generally speaking, you know, when I look at what happens, and let's just use Israel and Gaza for an example, right? Let's just use a war as an example. You had a, 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 a country, Palestine, in Gaza uh, that is governed by Hamas, which is, you know, they haven't had an election 12 years, so it's really a dictatorial religious dictatorship. It's mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Zionism, and you've got Netanyahu, who's an authoritarian, and you've got this fight over minerals and walls and, and land and oil and all the things that, generally speaking, we end up going to war for and protecting after the war if we've won it. And I watched, and, and here in Canada, same thing, same thing with vaccines, mandates, it's it it's almost and it, it's lockstep. I see it lockstep. You've got, you know, religious extremists on one side. You got religious extremists in my mind on the other side. And I know I'm painting with a big brush here and we should probably use more nuance, but I'm just trying to get my thoughts out. So bear with me. And they, they are used as a shield and they are used as a spear. Right. You and I have talked about this before when we had our last conversation, the place of religion and politics. My opinion is if you remove religion from politics, politics does not exist anymore. Just doesn't just if you you can legitimately remove that agency from any kind of political fortune of any party, anybody at war, any two countries who are battling. But it seems to be we gin up the same people for the same actions all the time. And I watched it like I watched it in real time this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we never talk about that because, well, you, you know, you don't talk about religion to right. your point of not having a nuanced conversation. You don't talk about how people are used to fight on behalf of governments, super rich, the elites, all that other shit. We never talk about those things. We just go Gaza bad, Israel bad, Gaza good, Israel good. Wipe them off the map. No, wipe them off the map. And it usually the, the combatants, the people who are put in the middle, the people who are truly damaged are the people who believe in a sky daddy or something like it, it's and, and it's of, of the same ilk it's the same variety so you have these people that are you're ginned up to try and do the bidding of some really terrible people and to your point that's the why right but we never get to the why we only get to you know what we see in public which is a public disruption which is what protests are meant for yeah. um of something happening in a foreign country of which our government will align with trying to and watching them dance has been absolutely hilarious over this issue. Like, you know, Petrudo almost said the word ceasefire the other day. He was really careful not to use it. And then you've got, you know, the virtue signaling around it with Polyev saying, leave your hate somewhere else. Don't bring oh, it over here. Stop. But to me, it's it's not about you, the color of your skin or the country that you're from. It's about the ideology that drives people to do really terrible things on behalf of other people because they've been told to. 
that's the problem that I'm having with all these protests is because I don't look at it like, hey, listen, you made me get off streetcars. Sure, it's annoying and all that stuff. But I look at it like, man, what kind of cult are you guys in where you want to give up your weekends like this? Man, you guys are fair weather cult members because yeah, you would never do this in minus 30 temperature like ever, ever, ever. Oh, we'll and see. you're doing this without actually knowing who you're fighting for or what you're fighting. You're just fighting us. You're fighting other people. You're being preventative in society because you've got this ideology that literally no one you're inconveniencing shares. Nobody. Possibly, but but I also think not. It's not about nobody sharing it. I think it's about the majority of Canadians not learning about it, not being educated about it. Listen, I I I've steered from doing a full podcast on it because the more that I try to listen to it and the more that I try to understand it, the more overwhelmed I get with how much I don't know. Yeah. And so when, when I start to get overwhelmed like that and people are like, Joanna, why haven't you said anything? Well, I can say a few things with certainty, but when you're asking me, you know, do I want Israel wiped off? Of course not. Of course not. Do I understand the, the notion of, you know, having a homeland after the Holocaust and after everything, you know, the, the, 33% slaughter of a, of a people. And you can't separate that from their faith because that's what they were targeted about. Can, can I separate? Can I say, and I agree with the others? Of course not. But then you watch the bombardment, yeah. the absolute bombardment of trying to get at this terrorist organization. And you see it with such, it's like, well, how else are they going to get there? And I'm like, well, listen, nobody's saying the bottom line, which is we will, we being Israel, pave it all over because that's the only way we're going to get to all of those tunnels that they have built underneath all of those hospitals and all of those children's centers or whatever the hell that they have done in that. Daycare schools. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the, like, as nobody's doing it to the end game, do you think Hamas is going to give up? No, not a single person thinks that. Not a single person thinks that. And all I can do is look at this scenario. What I can say with certainty, absolute certainty, is of course I would want it to stop. And I understand the other side where they say, Joanna, a ceasefire would only allow militant and, and you know, Hamas members to get more weaponry, by the way, from other countries, more weaponry in order to do whatever it is. So you're just giving them time. You're giving them time with that ceasefire. I get what people are saying, but they have to understand that stopping hundreds of thousands of people from going where forever, because they're bulldozing over Gaza. Like, I mean, I, it's clear and they, they talk about it. That's not mm. that's not conjecture. They're they're leveling everything. Right. So if they get rid of Hamas, Hamas is gone tomorrow. Boom, gone. What are they? They can't go back to what? They can't live there ever again. And all I can think in my head is, wow, this is a lovely little horrific, disgusting nightmare of a scenario that's been set up by who? Mm. Mm. Not Palestinians, nope. not Israelis. It's been set up by the West to do what? And in my opinion, when you have people sitting on the other side of the fence with the Belfort Declaration and all of those things, do we really think that England wanted just a safe place for all of the Jewish people to go and live? Or do we think they're anti-Semitic asses who wanted them out of England? 
The fact that you think anti-Semitism wasn't common in all those allied countries, as they were trying to sit back and decide where they should all go as long as they get the hell out of their country, is insane. Mm-hmm. There's anti. We turned away boatloads. Mackenzie King, no Jew is too many. Don't pretend. I know. That in 1945, Canada wasn't anti-Semitic. The United States wasn't anti-Semitic. Don't pretend that wasn't the case. And if that was the case, then why do we think they were so interested in creating a Jewish homeland? And and by the way, I mean Israel, where it sits, wasn't the first choice. But why do you think they landed there? Why do you think they funded it so fully? Why do you- I, teacher? I got my hand up. I got my hand up. Um, right Go in the middle me. of uh, right in the middle of hardcore Muslim territory. Uh, maybe to flood the zone with a whole bunch of weapons so they could keep an eye on what they said were barbarians. Right? They could have get all the Jews in one area and then make those people do the bidding of the West. Right? How am I, I doing? can't help. I can't help but see it exactly that way. And then yeah. when you look at it that way, you look at both of those nations. And I do use the word nation. You use, look at both of those nations and how they have been used. Yeah. And how, how they've been weaponized and used ideologically and, and you know, um, in every way, shape or form to enforce or perpetuate or bolster opposite identity formation politics. Mm. And that's the part I can say with, un, with complete certainty. You know, do I know how to end it? No. How about we send in 400,000 UN troops forever? Not a bad idea. We caused the mess. We may want to go. We caused the mess. Go and fix it. Yeah. We, we put, and so we assure nobody, not a single Israeli, not a single Palestinian. And we keep all those other countries who are chomping at the bit to all of them out of it. And, and we sit there and we will sit there until generation after generation after generation passes until we can finally come up with something rational. Now, now, we do have a problem here because we have now, this has escalated to the point, not that this hasn't always, where Palestinians want, what do they say, to this they want the whole area back. Yeah, from the river to the sea. We Thank will be you. From the river to the yeah. sea. And, and you know, I've heard Palestinians very eloquently say that is not about genocide. And I've heard, heard Israelis say, oh, yeah, but you need to hear the sub. You need to hear the text right after that. So listen, do I think there are people on both sides of that? Absolutely. Here's the problem. Um, <clears throat> because a lot of people would s- start arguing about whose land it was, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what I know is is that whose land it was has never been a way that any country has ever established who gets to keep it. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, we all got to get the hell out of Toronto. If there are people that genuinely believe who had it first is who gets it, we're out. You better be you better be in that protest every and packing single, up your every single person who looks like right? you and me whose families immigrated here in the 1800s we gotta needs go. to leave. Not yeah. us. 
Yeah, right? if you don't if you don't because have that mentality, if you're going to take legally, that into that conflict, we didn't yeah, do it yeah. legally. Those yeah. treaties were broken. Yeah, e- even if you ever count them as being legitimate in the first place, because no indigenous person understood a British treaty. Um, and then we got to go. Or so are. And then are we looking at it as well? It's what the international community stipulates. Sure. Well, if that's the case, if, if that's what the lane we're going to go down, because Israel was created by the international community again, for very valid, protective reasons. I get it. I get it. Then Israel needs to be listening to the international community about how to deal with the rest of Gaza or the rest of Palestine, which from what I understand, there's a lot of international agreements that the UN has stipulated that they are not following. Um, And if we want everything to revert a hundred years, we also have another problem. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen in anybody's country. So we have to figure out what is the rational, healthy, as peaceful as we possibly can have it next step. Um, And again, I don't think anybody has any idea. So what do we do? We put 400,000 UN soldiers and we leave them there. And the West pays through their teeth. Yeah, because we did it. Not and see, this is the thing: is that the education that people need is this kind of education for context, right? If you have context, then you can draw conclusions, and you you won't spout off at the mouth, and you're not gonna make like these wide ranging statements about these people need to go there and that people needs to go here. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna stick your foot in your mouth. You're gonna have a, a full sale understanding of what the conflict is. In every capacity, it doesn't matter if it's Israel, Gaza, it doesn't matter what it is, is that, you know, we we gin people up. It's like this emotional response. Everybody looks for it. And that's one of the things that I get a kick out of today, too. Not even a kick out of it. It also makes me sick is how the very first tally they come up with in terms of asking for a ceasefire or saying, hey, stop the war, throw in the towel because they'll just give the dead kid tally. Right. They'll give videos, pictures of just the horrific things of children and both sides will use it and both sides will take that and they'll curate this social media campaign around it to try and get influence. Try and get, oh, yeah, you guys, yeah, ceasefire. And, it, and it's wild because I watch governments use the same reasoning, the same things as agency to be able to kind of, you know, aside or promote their 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 allyship with whoever they're in bed with in this conflict. Right. And then watching everybody tap dance around it and not actually address it like this conversation that you and I are having. I'd love to see a public debate about this or some kind of educational piece. Well, there have been brilliant. Yeah, there's been brilliant monk debates. I, I think that I I think that's super important. I'm all I also think that I really love to listen to Israelis, especially Israelis who have been in the IDF, talk about Israel not in the most positive light. And then I like to hear Palestinians who have been on that side of the fence talk about Palestine in not the most positive light. You know what I mean? That yeah. that they're both admitting faults and failures and cracks and whatever. And to be, to be perfectly honest, I feel where that is the most learning I do is there because I am not listening to, you know, um, just sort of ideological rants coming from both sides, you are listening to people who want to find a solution, who understand the failures of the side they're sitting in. 
Mm-hmm. If you can sit, that's why I always start, you know, um, most of my classes and most of my teaching around talking about Canada's failures. Mm-hmm. Because if you can be in it, if you can be embedded in it, if you can be culturally, you know, uh, sort of a product of this socialization here and now and in this time and you can step and you can try to critically analyze it from inside you can say this was my experience this isn't okay this is somebody else this isn't okay here's where we failed here's where we're failing Mm -hmm. to me that's where real change happens not from me which is why i don't spend a lot of time pointing at another country except for the argentinian president and saying they did this wrong. They are this, they are that, because you know what? Trying to understand another nation (laughs) and not being in it is really, really hard. Even if you try incredibly hard to become as educated as you can Uh is very, very difficult. Uh Um, So I always start here because, you know, like uh, right now there's tons of people Obviously, there's lots of attacks going on about China and human rights abuses and what we should do about China and trade with China. And they're going on and on and on. And I'm like, listen, we can point to failures in every country. Can you tell me the failures in our economic and um, industrialized policy? If you can't, (laughs) let's not start with talking about other nations first. Mm -hmm. Because we're so quick. We're, we're, we're so quick to point. Now, can you talk about human rights abuses? Of course. But if the UN was allowed to judge Canada based on human rights abuses and rank us on the basis of how our indigenous population live, we are 78th on the HDI index, 78th on mm. living standards and all of those develop, developmental kind of chart um, and analytical points. The UN would say that is is a glaring human rights abuse, right? Oh, without question. And we what don't do we, we do? don't well that's not as bad. The first yeah. thing we do, well Joanna, that's not as bad as what's going on over there. I'm like, listen. Oh the old what aboutism trick. Jesus. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. But be embarrassed for a second. Take yeah. a minute, swallow it, and be friggin' embarrassed that you live in a country where first of all, you didn't know you didn't friggin' know what was going on in your own backyard, what's going on in Saskatchewan. You didn't know what's going on in these other places. You don't know what's going on in reservations. You didn't even know. We all didn't know. We've talked about this. We didn't yeah. even know about residential schools until about 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Our government and our educational institutions worked overtime to flip that into another page of reference. So don't talk to me about how other governments are trying to hide it or manipulate this or manipulate that. You have to be able to start home. So when I, when I really want to be educated, that's what I try to do. I try to listen to people who are in it, who don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Do I think they're telling the whole truth? Of course not. (laughs) To get the whole truth, you got to listen to 3 billion stories. Mm -hmm. there's where the whole truth lie right but to think for a second that any government any government is this bastion of moral and ethical certitude that's always doing what is just and fair 
is absolute insanity. Mm, mm. Oh, I, insanity. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So if if that's you can't, true, yeah, not thinking any country is, you know, uh, all in 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 the right or all in the wrong or evil. Now, when I talk like this, any country has a moral high ground when it comes to judging another country's human rights violations. We certainly do not. No. And yeah. some people will inevitably, because this is their go-to, they'll bring up, you know, Hitler. They'll say, yeah. Joanna. But wait a minute. Hitler was clearly bad. Yeah. Yes, he was. And you want to know what the West wanted to do about Hitler? Nothing. Nothing. The United States cared so little that the only reason they jumped into World War II was to fight Japan because Japan was challenging them economically mm-hmm. because they were expansionist and aggressively good at it. Mm-hmm. The United well, States, and, they, and they bombed Pearl Harbor. Let's not well, forget but that. That was a response to the United States banning, not that I, again, at least it was a military base, but the United States creating an embargo on steel and oil well, going into Japan, yeah. trying to control their foreign policy and military policy. Japan said, no, thank you. That is an act of war. So what did they do? They reciprocated. Now, you, you look at that and you would think, well, the United States would declare, they didn't declare war on Hitler. Hitler in his stupidity, thank God he was crazy because heaven help us. Yeah, thank God he was, he was, a, he was a meth tweaker. Like if he wasn't thank a meth God. tweaker, we might be speaking German. Because if he was a little smarter, you know, it's so funny. I My my kids, uh, my students really are into the JFK thing. And there's that TV show on, I don't know if it's Prime or whatever, about somebody going back in time to stop the JFK assassination or whatever. And I said to the kids, I go, guys, if you go back in time, what's the one thing you change? This is how smart grade seven and eights are. One kid puts his hand, of course, because this is what everybody says. I'd kill Hitler, right? Yeah. Another kid jumped in. He goes, I wouldn't. And everybody looks at him like, oh, you like Hitler? And he's like, whoa, grade eight. And he says, do you know who Hitler's second and, second and third in command were? Do you know how smart they were? Do you know what their plan and their methodology for how they were going to kill X amount of Russians to turn them in and then turn the rest into good uh, uh, Germans and what their real goal was, which was wiping China off with full out genocide of China off the map. That was their goal because they saw them, which is hilarious. Japan was on their side, but they saw them as the, as the end game enemy. And he goes, if you didn't have Hitler making stupid mistakes, like going into the Soviet Union during the war, you didn't have him snapping like that and making those errors and being obviously dealing with the other level of crazy, he could have done it slower. He could have done it better. And he would have won. Could you imagine he makes a deal? He doesn't go so far off the rails and makes a deal with the United States at the time. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't listen. We play in the capitalist. United States, Canada, U.S. played footsie with Nazi Germany. I mean, Madison Square Garden had a full on Nazi rally. It was sold out. Uh, we had Nazi Party members that lived in Canada, too. I mean, like a lot of people want to whitewash that kind of stuff. But we stayed out of it till the very end until we if couldn't avoid so getting in. in. Paint, if he didn't yeah. go so hard in the paint because he was crazy, if he would have manipulated it better. Yeah terrifying what he could have accomplished and the fact that one of my grade eights was like you know no you gotta you gotta look at this guy you gotta look at this guy 
Because if Hitler was out, who maybe he did enough at the beginning to sort of garner that power, right? He had that kind of charisma about him, which I, I guess, I guess. Um, but if he would have got anywhere close to that level of power and then somebody else could take over, you have no idea what could have happened after that. No idea no. how he could have done no, it you don't. better. You don't. So yeah. that's, it's, that's it's, thinking bigger, right? Rather than thinking it's all about a person, it's a reflection of a culture and a time and a manipulation mm-hmm. of the true, which, which again, we can try it right back to COVID, of our true flaw as humans, which is our fear. And when we are mm-hmm. scared, truly scared, I don't mean like, you know, when we are really scared that I'm not going to have food on the table, that my family and my kids aren't going to be okay, somebody can convince us to do about anything if they promise security. Yeah, and they'll tell you that they're the only people who can. And you mentioned him earlier, Argentina's oh, new president. God. Let's get to him. Let's get to this cat. Uh, very interesting. His name is... Javier, 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 Argentina's new president elect. He thinks sex education is a Marxist plot to destroy the family. He's raised the possibility people should be allowed to sell their own vital organs. This guy is fucking insane. Uh, he was a couple of years ago. He's a television talking head that bookers loved because he screeds against government spending ruling. Uh, and he was nuts basically nuts. And he won as a libertarian, 53 year old economist. He's an anarcho capitalist. Um, he does a ton of different stuff. Like he wants people to be able to sell their own organs. He thinks he, he thinks the world should be run on Bitcoin. Uh, he thinks he's going to get rid of uh, the central bank and the government. Uh, and he literally campaigned with a chainsaw in his hand. And the whole idea about this guy, just strikes me as, oh, okay, this is like a country that went sideways, sort of like like Germany, sort of like a lot of countries that are choosing anti-establishment guys, people, because like Trump, you know, to me, I looked at, at America in 2016. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you guys just lost your mind because you're so sick of the political machinery. You're like, yeah, and every racist in, in America came out of nowhere and they voted for the guy. But like, you know, and I look at Pierre Polyev, which is skinny Trump, and we've got the rise of populism, trying to harness people's fear. That's what that guy did, did he not? Right. And I don't know as much about him as you do, uh, but he seems like a fucking crazy guys, man. I like thought insane. it was a meme. I thought it was bullcrap. I didn't think hey. it was real. Because as I started to hey. read about him, like all of the yeah. things that you said are true. He's he's got apparently he's gutting the government, whatever the hell that looks like. But he gets a lot of his policy ideas from his dead dog. What do you mean? I'm not joking. His dead dog is named Conan. He uses a mystic to connect with his dog because he thinks his dog is a reincarnation of something from the gladiator era, a lion or something. Guys, (laughs) I wish I was making it up. I wish. And and when asked, asked, is it okay to sell yeah. children? He said, um, <laughs> I'm exploring it. <laughs> he, what did he say? I, I just got from his head. He he's, he's like, it depends period. Yeah. Well, depends. He, he's just saying it depends because if it works out for my economic growth, um, I'm in. 
And then he sat down with, look, he did all of this crazy crap. And then, you know, who he sits down and talks to Tucker Carlson. I'm like, did he really do <laughs> this is the guy. Yeah. Uh, it's unreal. Uh, he said he doesn't see himself. I'm just reading this as a right-leaning politician. Uh, he's a culture warrior. The mission is to shake up Argentine society. Some of his positions echo the neoconservative Republicans. He opposes feminist policies on abortion, wants to scrap abortion, even though he wants to sell kids. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> seems like seems like it's a backwards idea, um, which they've legalized. He's proposed a, a plebiscite to repeal the abortion law, rejects the notion humans have a role in causing climate change. He called the Pope an imbecile. Yes. I happen to agree. Uh, for defending social justice and called the head of the Roman Catholic Church the represent representative of malignance on earth. Now, keep in mind, Argentina is incredibly Catholic, so it's amazing that this guy won. Argentina, as he says, is going to reclaim the place in the world it never should have lost. I wasn't aware they had one. Uh, his followers have embraced the comparison and often wear hats bearing the word, make Argentina great again. <laughs> but this guy's history is incredible. The son of a passenger transport businessman and a homemaker. Uh, he is an economist. He doesn't like talking much about his childhood because it was marked with an abusive relationship with his father. Uh, when he was younger, he, yeah, shocker. I did dude. And that's all these guys are like the hardcore libertarians or the people Horrible who say, fathers. I don't want any rules. I blame Bad dads. Well, listen, I blame men. You but. should. Yeah, I would too. I do. Um, I know us. I am me. Uh, yeah. the, he played in a Rolling Stones tribute band prior to being <laughs> <president>. <laughs> Uh, he was a soccer club guy. He decided to put soccer away in the eighties. These days, he's uh, he still looks like a, he's a in sister. the seventies, though. By the way, the everything about him <laughs> yeah. screams nineteen seventy eight. Oh, this guy's incredible! During his television appearance, he didn't just talk about economics. He delved into his personal life and once presented himself as an expert, quote, in tantric sex, Gross. openly discussing how he had repeatedly participated in group sex and provided some tips for people. Uh, apparently he's in a relationship and he had a deep connection with his English Mastiff named Conan, to your point, his dog who passed away and he's had four others reportedly cloned using his DNA, which he uses I to connect in the afterlife with a couple of different uh, seance people and he gets advice from them on foreign policy and how to run government. How we doing, Argentina? How we doing? Somebody send help. I don't... <laughs> I love it though. I don't even know. I, I, like nobody reading that out loud would think it was anything other uh, than the next Borat. Nobody. That is Torah. Sasha Baron Cohen should be using that. He's writing the movie right now. He's writing, and nobody would watch that movie and go, "That's real life." I would totally watch I that would, movie. We are going to watch the movie. It's going to play out, and poor Argentinians are going to be the victims of it. He's just going to, yeah. he just, and I'm like, have you only ever read, because he talks about free market capitalism, right? I'm like, dude, did you just read Adam Smith and stop? Did, did, did you just read one economic theorist and say, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. This is good. Yeah. And did you see, have you seen what you're about to do play out anywhere else? Well, no. Yeah, I, I, but but the fact that Argentina got a front row seat for everything that happened with Donald Trump and the fact that we're history might repeat itself up here with Pierre Polyev, where you've got this just rage farming performative asshole who tells you you need to be afraid of all of them mm, yeah, and it. you need here. to come over here with me sure. 
And it is amazing because we've seen the failure play out in Germany from 39 to 45. We've seen that failure play out in, in, in Portugal for 30, 40 years under Salazar. We've seen this whole thing play out where fascism and authoritarianism and batshit crazy people like the guy from Argentina, Javier Millet, if that's how you say his name, Donald Trump flamed on 91 different indictments. The dude is going to jail, big boy jail, and he's never going to be able to do business again. And he still might win. (laughs) He still might win the presidency. And I can't figure it out. Is this just, is this just polling or are we like, or are we like, is there a certain, like a half? You know what? Yes. Here's what I think it is. And heaven help us. But I think people are so tired of the right answer, the polished answer, the roll up the sleeve, the shoes that are new, but not too new. The, the overly propagandized media trained politician we are so exhausted and so starved for authenticity. We will take crazy in its place seven days a week and twice on Sunday nowadays. That's our problem. Mm-hmm. Our problem is you can't have politicians steer away from talking points anymore. People have spoken to me about running. I'm like, guys, you don't want me. You don't want me because if there's a talking point I don't agree with, I'm not aligning with the party, especially in Canada. If you don't align with the party, you're absolute garbage. You're never going anywhere. So I never have any power. Sarah Jamma is a great example of that, right? NDP, they're like, yeah, yeah, speak your mind. Yeah, you're being, and then the NDP kicked her out of caucus because she spoke her mind. I still say we're missing something there because the NDP party and a lot of people have stand very firmly in support of Palestinians and Palestinian protests on this particular issue, and they haven't got bounced. So I don't know what else went on in that scenario. I really don't. I, I, if I were her, I'd be telling the whole goddamn story. I would tell the whole story um, because something else had to have got, it wasn't just standing for Palestinians. I watched, yeah. I watched um, politicians like uh, Janice Irwin out in Alberta, which you got to know, that's not um, post all the time. She's awesome, by she the way. Posts I think all she's the time. Terrific. Like, that's where she stands. Yeah. And there's a level of, of authenticity with her, which is why I like her. But there will still be limits, right? Mm-hmm. There will still be limits. I, I want to, there's lots of politicians I would love to speak to, but the honest answers, I remember talking with Kathleen Wynne and I, and I still had this great conversation. And then the off camera conversation, I'm like, I said to her, that's what you should have done. That's who you should have been. And you know what she said? You're right. But in that time and in that space, I was handcuffed to the party. I was handcuffed to this particular narrative. I was handcuffed to it. And you come off as being absolutely full of crap. And no matter what ideology you support, it doesn't matter because you seem as though you are a liar. And we're exhausted by it. And so what do we get? A guy with an actual functional chainsaw wielding it. And people are laughing like you're all laughing until he's and a magic dog and a magic dog that talks to the dead for him, which helps him with foreign policy. I love it. I love it. To be honest, I love it because I find no more. I'm going to piss people off right in this. Go ahead. Do it, please. Go ahead. Record this and use it in everything. Um, I hate that just as much as I hate as Speaker of the House Johnson 
going to get his information every day from God. I don't want my politicians who they have been elected. I know he's not mine. I do not want my politicians taking messaging or taking leadership or taking direction from anybody who is not their democratic public. And or 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 who you can't prove exists. The audacity, the audacity of somebody saying I go and this is where I get my daily. You want to know how I stand politically? Go read. The, are you insane? You're supposed to stand politically representing the people behind you. And if you can't do yeah. that, get out. Well, see, here's the problem, Joe. You're too much common sense. And I hope people take this as a soundbite. Religion has no place in the governance of a population. I thought we Zero. made that clear a long time ago. Who dropped Zero. that messaging? Um, not sure, but somehow it's creeped its way in like a bad case of syphilis again, specifically in this country and in every country. The evangelical machine runs the GOP in Canada. Same thing. The evangelical machine runs that. And if you're a conservative, if you're a good conservative, you might be Muslim. But either way, you have this thought process, this ideology, right, that says this. If you're a, a, one of those Abrahamic faith people, I always go back to it. And I'm apostate from the Christian faith, which means I studied the apologetics of it was forced down my throat. So it's really easy for me to make these statements because I know I'm right. And what I'm right about is this is when in this is in the Christian faith, it's in the Muslim faith. You give your life over to Allah or to Jesus. One of the two things. And the reason why you do that is because you get eternal life, which means you'll live forever. Same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses. I saw him on the corner this morning, had a little laugh with one of the girls and told her she was in a cult. And then I left. That's just me. It's who I am. So long story short, there is no way anybody that has given their entire soul over to any podunt religion belonging to something that you cannot prove one iota exists. There is no way any of those people will swear an oath that usurps to, to the people they govern that usurps the oath they took to their God. There is not one that exists. And so by proxy, by, by that very reasoning, their oath to the people of Ontario or Canada or any country they serve is a lie. Here's my problem. It's a lie. Here's my problem. Because I have, I, I, have not, I have sat down with some of the most beautifully sort of religious or faith-based people, and they talk about their religion. And, I, and again, I've talked to quite a few from many different faiths. With with so much beauty that I sit there and go, oh, I kind of wish I I was on in because you seem to really there's a serenity about it, there's a beauty of it, and they lead with because I only talk to good people, they lead with their heart and what is good and what is fair and what is just. But if you are telling me that any biblical text, whether it be the Quran, whether it be the Bible, the Torah, I don't whatever whatever it be, takes precedent over your democratic oath to represent your constituents You're politics up. just isn't it just isn't the place for you no the place for you is somewhere else because that is more important to you i can respect it in your heart in your family in your private life i cannot i cannot understand it or legitimize it as a governing tool of a democratically secular if we're a theocracy, somebody tell us. I know we used to be, but I cannot respect it as the rule base, as the foundation for a democratic, secular nation and its governance, because then we have a whole other host of problems. Canada still 
is very much, for the most part, shackled to his Judeo-Christian underpinnings to some degree. We are slowly unraveling ourselves. The United States, it seems as though, has thrown itself right back into it. And I know Pierre Polyev with, I don't know if you remember his like initial run where he made posters and there was this glowing cross behind him. He what has the hell risen. Is that? That? Yeah, yeah. He did that one for the Christian church. He has risen. Vote Pierre what? Polyev. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And people are losing it. Actually, isn't Taylor Swift? Didn't she just get in trouble? Well, kind of. Is she going to Argentina? I, I don't know. Where is that giant Jesus statue that stands like that? That's our. Oh, that's uh, that's that's in Brazil. That's in Buenos oh, Aires. In Brazil. And She's there's another one in Lisbon that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to Brazil and the Brazilian government or the church or whoever decided to project Taylor Swift's image onto that statue. <laughs> that's awesome. As a welcoming of Taylor Swift. And people are losing their minds. I love Absolutely it. Losing their minds. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I Number one, um, obviously, I don't buy into any of it, so I project it wherever you want. But number two, let's talk about what Taylor Swift has done with her money, with her fame, with everything else. And let's try, if we're gonna, if we're gonna say that everybody's supposed to. You know, what would Jesus do? Isn't that the Christian thing? What would WWJD, Jesus do? yeah. I've got one isn't of those she, bracelets at home. It's isn't awesome. she doing it? Pretty much. More than that, any one of more than Mike Johnson. Walking? Yeah, more than everybody. She's walks the walk, talks the talk. I was saying you know, that with my significant other. She's a big music. tailor. You cannot yeah. think she's a bad person. You could not think she she has handled I, I feel like there's gotta be a negative side to her. You know, she's gonna have like 14 puppies under the floorboard or something. Like I she seems she goes everywhere she goes. She donates not great dollars of food. Yeah. She changes the, the ecosystem, the economy. Yeah. She, she has so many people that dance to shake it off. She causes an earthquake mm -hmm. with dancing mm -hmm. because they're so happy mm -hmm. with their bracelets. This yeah. look, if everybody's doing this, I'll tell you what they're not doing. Shooting at each other. Um, or or living in fear. I'm just saying, yeah. if yeah. anybody's walking the walk, I think it might be her. Yeah, well, it's just generally speaking, anybody that does good things, right, is a good person. But sure. one of the encouraging things that I really loved about Canada, there's a little thing in Politico last year, two-thirds of Canadians haven't attended a religious service in the last three years. 67% of Canadians do not believe in God. Uh, that number is through the roof in the past, like, 10 years. And I, I'm encouraged by that. You know, I'm encouraged by that and I'm encouraged by the conversation that we're having about it because, you know, it's it is a it's a red herring. It, it is an it's agency, you know, and, I, and I'm reminded one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I'm a big stoic guy. I love philosophy. Um, and one of my favorite philosophers is a guy named Seneca. Seneca was sort of a hypocrite. Um, he was a really rich dude. They used to all? tell people. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But he was a really rich dude. Um, who used to tell people that they didn't need much, but he had everything. Oh, it was Karl Marx. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Karl Marx is the same. That's what they all say. But Seneca had a quote, and I use this sometimes, and it's amazing the traction that it's now getting anytime I put it out. Religion is regarded by common people as true, by the wise as false, and by rulers as useful. And that's where I sit. That it's, it's, I thought that was such a perfect analogy, perfect way to explain why people do it. Because the best people I see that embody 
these religions that are super, super violent, like we're seeing the violent nature of religion or that embody the people like Pierre Polyev who's stumping for religion or any other conservative issue that stumps for religion, or they've made a commitment to some kind of higher power, which always sits above your commitment to the people that you represent. It's never there. It's wor- it, the, the, their works and their words never match no, up. Never match. Ever, yeah. ever, to your point, right? right? Anyway. Well, absolutely. If you really want to walk the walk, I have nothing but respect for it ever, ever. I, I, which is also interesting because you really talk to truly, you, you talk to people who are truly spiritual, not religious. And I do distinguish between the two Yeah, and they will look at any time, any time that their faith has been weaponized to go to war as a bastardization of the faith Mm -hmm. as, as a breach, as it's broken. That is not. That is not what it was meant to do. And every time you do that, you break a little bit. But again, what a powerful way to unite, to to manipulate, to indoctrinate, to drive with fear a population who wants to believe in something so powerfully. Because at the end of the day, they have no control. They need it. And they need something to mitigate the fear. Mm-hmm. And then somebody walks in and takes advantage of that. And instead of it being something beautiful, again, as I've seen, and something enlightening and so, well, something uplifting. Like community. In, and instead of this, instead of love and all the things mm, that, that those, those things teach in community, it becomes, hey, listen, we're just going to go and activate these people that we've radicalized for our own purposes. We're going to take there advantage of them. And yeah. we've kept them poor to the point where they have to believe in the God that we're telling them is asking them to go and fight on our behalf. So right. it's all good. We got these free, this free army of crazies that we could just activate at any point well, in sure. time. And I feel sorry for them. Like, well, you know, that was the other thing when I walked through those protests this weekend, yeah. I finally kind of like I was angry because they impeded my process. And it's uh, to me that it makes no sense. But I felt sorry for them because the quality of person that spends an entire day doing that kind of stuff is literally LARPing as they are hanging on for dear life know. to this thing they think is going to make their lives incredible. That's I what think I think. We still disagree on that because I right. still think. Because I have seen it. I still think that protesting, that enacting that democratic right, that that choosing to do that with your day has a level of empowerment and a level of um, democratic accountability and necessity that if we do it, if we did it better, if we learned how to do it better, I think wields a hell of a lot of power and actually get citizens' voices heard yeah. On in, on incredibly important issues, whether they're in Canada or across the world. I love how we brought it all the way back. Full it's called the callback. <laughs> all the way back to the beginning. Protest. Uh, Unlearned 16 is the name. Unlearned 16 tweet is where you can find That's my friend it. Joanna Johnson. She educates people. We have these conversations because I need to get smarter. And I hope that everybody comes along for the ride with this lovely young human being who uh, does this uh, because she loves the people that she lives with. She's a citizen of this country. She's a citizen of humanity. And I wish everybody took the same tact. I wish everybody had the ability to understand and formulate an opinion and read and learn and operate in some humility when they don't. It's what you do. And I really appreciate it. Your podcast, everybody go download and sub the podcast. It's called Unlearn 16. Um, it's an educational experience in humanity, understanding the minutia where we're at, nuance. But more importantly, you'll be a lot smarter and you'll feel a lot better after you're done. It's like medicine every time I listen <laughs> someday, to this person. Uh, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much, sir. Anytime. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. You too. Joanna Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, Unlearn 16 is the name of a podcast. Please go on sub and download. Follow her on Twitter too, on, at Unlearn 16. I think she's on TikTok as well. And yes, yeah, she is. She's huge on TikTok. Unlearn 16. Everywhere. Unlearn what you've been taught. Because you were probably taught some bullshit. So I think. That's why she's here. She's here to teach me too. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget, brought to you by, as always, our friends at Cantork. If you're looking for a loosening, fastening, bolting solution, you can't find one. My friends at Cantork operate out of Edmonton. These are good people, and they make the best torque wrenches in the world, and they do everything here in Canada, proudly Canadian, fiercely Canadian. My friend Colin will take care of everything for you if you're looking for a bolting solution. Heavy machinery, nuclear industry, railroad industry, steel industry, forest industry, doesn't matter. He's got it. He'll make it. He'll manufacture it. He'll design it. And he is your solution guy. Colin and his group brought all their manufacturing back from overseas, and they do everything here in Canada. So you can be proud of that as well. Go to cantork.com for more information today. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Muse on the Mic. Muse on the Mic is Canada's leading and only advocacy podcast for sex workers. Uh, you can go and listen to it. You can also go and visit these young ladies at their body rub parlor. That is at 1290 uh, Finch Avenue West here in the beautiful city of Toronto. Uh, very high end, very discreet, lovely people, incredibly safe. And they are proud of Canada's and the world's oldest industry, as you should be too. And these people keep everybody safe and they want to keep you safe and educated. That's why they have their podcast, Muse on the Mic on Patreon, where they can really dish on what goes on in the industry. And then, of course, you can download their podcast, Muse on the Mic. My friend Emily and my friend Riley. Nice people. As always, brought to you by our friends at Muse on the Mic as well. And Ed's Fine Imports, big fan of his gits. You can wear them on your body, and I highly encourage that you do. We've got them. Everybody here wears them. I've got them. I buy them for everybody. They're incredible. Pouch in the front, luxury briefs, boxer briefs, a uh, bunch of different colors. Black is my favorite because it's all camouflaged. Sometimes stuff happens. And you want to make sure it doesn't happen, but the pouch in the front is incredible. Breathable mesh, super barely there, soft, fast, uh, soft fabric. And when you order a pair right now from edsfineimports.com, use promo code GITCH3. You'll get a new pair for free. Free GITCH for you from Ed. Ed's Fine Imports. GITCH3 is your promo code GITCH. The only underwear you need. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow. Don't forget to rate, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. Um, and if you're going to say something shitty, say something shitty somewhere else. We don't need your shitty stuff here. We're not shitty people. You might be a shitty person, and that's fine. Just go be shitty in your own house. Don't be shitty here. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye. Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.